Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Generative Work podcast with me, Sarah James Wright, exploring all aspects of future business and conscious leadership. Delighted to be joined today by Anna Capellini, a highly experienced communication strategy consultant and a new psychology student. And Anna and I worked together, we think it was somewhere around two years ago, we started a coaching program for about nine months together. And Anna has very kindly agreed to come and turn the tables on me today and ask me three questions around working generatively. So welcome, Anna. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. So questions. Okay, there's something I've been thinking about a lot these days, these weeks, and it's like, of course, how how, how life is changes for us as professionals, like mm. working from home, working in our socks and Birkenstock, and not having <laughs> this, <laughs> this layer of formality and these coffee breaks and all these routines, also the commuting, which mm. made us able to transform ourselves into our social identity, our personal identity. So you have a, a, a good, uh, I would say, oversight on these words because you are a, a, a consultant to professionals and organizations. So from, from, from the, how does it look like from there? Uh, how, how, what impact these layers that have, has been taken off has on, on people? Okay, that's a really good question. And I found myself slightly distracted at first because, I mean, you must be a witch. Literally earlier today, I was looking at myself wearing socks and Birkenstocks and thought, dear God, what has happened to me? And now you come on and ask me that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, <laughs> you're right. Typical case of generalizing your personal experience and thinking that everyone is exactly like you. Well, I am exactly the same. We're the Birkenstock sisters. So, yeah, cool. Um, I think lots, lots is happening. And there's, you know, as, as with anything else, we can explore it at the surface level and then we can kind of go deeper. But also, I think it's really important to acknowledge that in any event, any phenomena that happens, there are kind of winners and losers. There are some people who have benefited from these changes and there are some people that haven't. Mm -hmm. So for those of us with kind of professional uh, lives that are easy to adapt and we can sort of see benefits and think, oh, this is great because now we can do things like this. You know, if you're a healthcare worker that's right on the edge or you're a working mum who's trying to suddenly run a school as well as your job, or if you're someone that's lost their job, lost their business. So I think the first thing to say is that you can acknowledge where you are with this situation and that other people may have a really different experience. Mm. So for that, it's very hard to generalize. Mm. I think in terms of organizational life, for those that have been able to pivot, there's some really positive aspects to it. One, just recognizing that you can move faster than you thought you could move, that your team can actually adapt really quickly 
to a different situation. You know, organizational processes tend to be heavy and slow and there's lots of, you know, imagining and planning and testing. And so this idea, we've really been thrown into prototyping of just, well, chuck it out there and see if it works. So I think that's quite good for our creative selves. We're having to really meet an immediate challenge and bring our creative selves to the fore. Mm. And in that part of the formalities gone, I'm glad to let go of the formality. I'm glad to be sat in my Birkenstocks. You know, I'm glad not to have to travel up to London all the time. Mm. It's not great for me to be on Zoom, but I have been able to adapt you know, for me, for my work to Zoom. And like, you know, from doing our work, it's a very physical practice. It's in physical space. That's a really important component of doing systemic coaching. And I didn't think that we could really do it well on Zoom. I mean, I've always done it for kind of clients in America and other parts of the world, but it's been amazing what can be done on Zoom. And something has been lost yeah so for me there's and I don't think this is just about me as an embodied practitioner one of the things that we lose is the embodied data so for me to tune into you know a a disembodied head it's like all of my body is working so hard to read what's going on And so I think whether you're an embodied practitioner or not you part of the reason it's exhausting is because all of those antennae that we normally have available to us to tune in to some of the subtle clues about people, we're just down to this tiny snapshot. Does that make sense? It it does. I was thinking like, for example, I'm a person who is very, I mean, in in a job environment, in a working environment, I'm very much obsessed with privacy. So Mm. now basically I'm, uh, I know the living room of, all of my colleagues and friends and your own and, and I mean you you can't you can't unknow it right yeah. you can't go back from from here and for some people I think that formality is a way to cope with the, with the professional environment so I'm I'm I, I, I'm just wondering how are we all going back to that and uh, because from some, in a, in a cert, from a certain point of view, we just get into each other's. Uh, See, home. I like that. You know, like one person. Always, it's a free choice. So I'm wondering: do, do you think there will be a new sort of, um, I don't know, issue to face when we will go back to? It's a really know? interesting question because I think we've worn the corporate mask, many of us, haven't we? And it's like, there's been this kind of crazy magical threshold that when you step into work, you stop being a human being and you put on this professional demeanor and you leave a lot at the door. Mm. And, you know, one one colleague mentioned to me, you know, I've met so many kids and pets and it felt really nice. And another client told me that she was on a call with a colleague and his wife just walked through the background naked. <laughs> she was going off to the shower or something. And 
apparently she wasn't phased. I think she was Swedish or German, thank God, you know. normal now. After a while, I mean, all, all kids are the same, all pets are the same. and All naked, all wives. naked wives are the same. You know, so there's something around the humanizing element of it. Mm-hmm. But it is such an interesting question about do we keep our human status that we've gained if, when we go back, you know, maybe the genie's out of the bottle and we can't go back entirely to that really artificial environment. I mean, a lot of places are deciding to stay remote. So something a lot more flexible. I know a lot of people deciding to move to different cities and just carry on. There'd be even more digital nomads than there were, you know. about so many, not so many, but quite a few um big CEO of uh, international companies who told me in the past that uh, they were against remote working because... Yeah, because, no one will do for, any for work. So this is what they always said. I to mention because I strongly yeah. disagree. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that I've been a little bit like this too in the past because you feel that you miss control mm-hmm. over what people do. Mm-hmm. And I was so wrong. Mm. And I was so wrong. I would like to really to call the people I didn't allow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm pretty much open-minded, but I wasn't as open-minded as I would, would yeah. be now because I learned it. I think, you know, and I think that's true for a lot of people. We've learned what it is like. And for me, it's like I've got a dream to buy a place up in Scotland with a bit of land and, you know, live in a much more remote place. And I was always unsure if I could do that and sort of be out of the city and still work. And so it's proved to me that, yeah, I could do that. You know, now it doesn't feel like the right time to move, but, you know, it's given me a taste of a different kind of lifestyle too. And the other thing I'd want to mention about what the pandemic has kind of what the pandemic has done for us <laughs> is this idea that we're all focused on the same thing at the same time. And I don't think that's mm-hmm. ever happened in the whole of history before. I'm gonna write this down because attention, attention is something I'm working a lot about, like consciousness and, and attention and not fragmenting your but literally the whole world is focused on the same issue at the same time. And as I said, there's some people in the world who are getting an even worse deal from this. You know, there's certain countries, certain parts of the world, certain sections of humanity. We know that part of the whole Black Lives Matter emergence is partly because the difference in experience for communities of colour through this pandemic has really highlighted wealth inequalities, social inequalities. So although not everyone's experiencing it in the same way, everyone's attention is focused on the same issue at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, there's been pandemics before, there's been plagues, there's been wars, but not the whole world with the same issue at exactly the same time that I can think of. Yeah, that's what does that do for us? You know, does that develop our collective capacity to meet issues like global warming, which again, we have to look at all together at the same time, even though it doesn't affect all parts of the world equally, some are much more affected than others. So that's a big ask, but I wonder about that. So we are also all in the same boat, right, somehow. 
Well, we're not quite all in the same boat, though, are we? This is what I mean. Like some people are on a luxury yacht and some people are in a rowing yeah, boat with half right. an oar. I, mean, I think we, like you and me and our colleagues and our like small community around us, mm-hmm. we, we are like closer to each other than we used to be. Mm-hmm. So this, I'm still thinking about organizations and companies. So like and the leadership new leadership models and mm. the difference between an employer and employee i mean all these things mm. have changed and i i think that they won't go back to the way they used to be well if we apply that idea of this kind of collective attention if that is able to take root, and I don't think it has yet, I don't think many people are even conscious that that's happening, but if that's able to take root, imagine if organisations weren't, if the ideas weren't all at the top and then the manifestation of all those ideas wasn't at the bottom, but if there could be more kind of everyone looking at the same issue at the same time, what kind of creative solutions could we bring to what we're facing? I mean, that really excites me. Yeah, true. And as human beings, so the leader and the, you know, the person at the top and the person who's like the newest or the most junior had some kind of equal value in terms of their contribution to that question. I think it's a path which has been opened. It's a it's an hard work to get there because mm-hmm. someone won't agree about this. Because mm-hmm. being uh, having the lab, being labeled as the, the thinker give you privileges and uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's a it's a path toward uh, democratizing the, the creative process. Yes. And then maybe, you know, seeing your boss in his Birkenstocks or, you know, (laughs) someone walking naked or, you know, seeing people with their, maybe something around that democratization is happening in our natural human experience that, as you say, we've peered into everyone's living rooms. You know, we've seen into everyone's homes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... And uh, and uh, uh, going to the office, sitting on a chair, and be pretty is not uh, be pretty, be elegant, <laughs> pretty. look look good, look, look the part. We don't need it's to not do enough that anymore. Now. I'm not saying that it was enough before, but now it really doesn't matter. So what matters is what you do, and yeah. not to be given for granted. I know that it looks like a more like. A, older style theory but there are still so many companies where just you being there in a certain way superficial has a value and i i'm i would be happy that this stopped uh, well we'll see and you know you're right it's like people where they still expected to be there eight hours a day whether or not they're productive in that time you know it's just no you've got to be in the office for these amount of hours there as well even if you might think that it's a privilege to just sit there elegant and get salary deep inside is not a good thing you're doing to yourself so maybe it's good that you can't do it anymore because yeah. why? Yeah, and then there's also, you know, there's always the flip side of it. For for some people, work is a welcome escape from home if home isn't oh. great. 
you know, and so there's a lot of also social disadvantages for people when they're trapped at home in, you know, less than positive environments. So I think we have to keep coming back to this. This isn't one experience for everybody. No, absolutely. But imagine if the money for, of the office, I'm just saying, but if the money to keep these amazing offices would have been given to those who live in a studio or live yeah. in a one bedroom with other two people yeah. uh, to get their own studio in their flat. Yeah. And, and they, I mean, it's a completely different way of, of, of thinking business, I believe, which gives more freedom to people. And uh, yeah. And I think the other aspect of it that I'd be really excited about. So I live in Brighton and there's quite a lot of kind of co-working spaces. There's a lot of, and, and in London too, you know, now that's quite a big thing where people can just turn up, have the, the positive aspects of the work environment, but, but not be tied to it. And I think that's really exciting in terms of geography that mm. people exhaust themselves commuting and it's super expensive. It's super unhealthy. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this out loud because I might jinx myself. I'm touching wood as I say this. I haven't had so much as a sniffle in the last year, <laughs> let alone COVID. And I think it's because I'm not on tube trains, you know, squashed up against someone sneezing on me. And I'm much more conscious of things like that, you know. Living in the countryside, I am paying like uh, one third of the rent you're paying in London. Yeah. So, so, you know, these, these bigger movements have definitely been set off by this and it remains to be seen. I don't think we can go back to how it was. And it, I guess it's up to us to think, well, how do we want it to be coming out of this? So what will you change about the way you used to work? Is there anything that made you reconsider like some, I don't know, something that once you will have all of the options open and you will do differently? Well, I think it was sort of already in the work for me, but but not to be so London-centric, not to think, you know, London is where the work is. And also that you can do really good embodied work even on Zoom. I would not want to do that all the time. I miss working oh, yeah. with human beings in space. And yeah. there's lots of... Um, trainings and workshops and things like that that we have not really been able or we haven't wanted to reduce to an online offering they're just going to wait until we can be back in real time and space together but um yeah for me it's I've you know I am one of the fortunate ones that it's been fairly easy to move to you know working in a different way so there's not because it's been easy there's not such a big thing to go back to um mm. the main thing is traveling to London even from Brighton you know is not fun it's a really unreliable line it's yeah. quite stressful and it takes a long time I didn't even have to do it every day you know I just go up to see clients as and when but um yeah, I think it's it's like London is not the center of the country or the universe. <laughs> we can keep having our sessions if we want on Zoom because you know that I don't like physical. <laughs> <laughs> I want meeting that much. <laughs> yeah, we'll carry on like this. <laughs> I will try and challenge myself. Okay. <laughs> cool. So, anything else? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's... I asked you what I was curious about and yeah. 
So that's about the change in the pandemic. But have you got any questions about the nature of the work and what this kind of idea of being generative is? Or how was it for you working in this kind of very different way from traditional coaching? Um, yeah, actually, what, what I really would like would have liked to have experience with you is to work in a team with other people because uh, um, I think that for the future this will be my challenge to see how to put together the individual identity and the social identity when you are working together and how to respect the individual identity more. So, what I mean. Yeah, I, I believe that you work a lot with this. And, uh, yeah. And, well, let's do it. You know, just because we haven't done it yet doesn't mean we can't. Do, let's have a project where we work on a team together. <laughs> so how do you approach this? I mean, this, this uh, like allowing individuals to be themselves, the best of themselves within an organization and at the same time protect the rules which are important because let's be honest, I mean, it's it's some formalities it's important as well some I mean I'm quite an informal person but there are some agreements there are some ground rules I do think that we need to agree to so I guess they are the formalities I think one thing I've noticed is there's a difference where an organization creates a kind of coaching culture a coaching environment so that it's not just the people who are perceived at the top who get the support to be their full authentic selves because actually that's a value to the organization no matter where you are in the organization mm -hmm. so I think that's one thing that helps if that can that notion that we can be our best selves and bring our authentic self is spread throughout the team throughout the mm -hmm. organization rather than just a privilege for a few that's one thing so you say if the leader is a through to themselves, uh, they can uh, um, transmit it, no, how do you say? They can spread it? Uh, I think to some extent. I think leaders definitely do influence culture. But then often it can end up being like, I've got a good idea and now I'm going to impose it and this is how you need to behave. Mm. So if they really understand this way of working and really allow people to be themselves, however they are, mm -hmm. and really look for their strengths and support them to grow, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that some organizations do that, but kind of precious few, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, and in a way, if we take a step back, that's partly because I think organizations are still looking at processes and deliverables and they try to cut out the human element yeah but actually unless we look at the human interaction within the process we can't really develop the process itself yeah okay. because what happens is all the tensions all the resentments any disruption everything just goes underground it just goes into that invisible layer mm. and so when you come along and think well we'll change the structure we'll change the rules we'll change the direction none of that makes a difference if the invisible part is still kind of not right or even quite toxic as it often is in organizations so back to your kind of original question about you know how do you do that how do you do that for everybody 
one, I think everyone needs to have a chance to be on a path to show up as themselves. Because otherwise it just feels like it's someone else's world or it's someone else's rules and I'm not really allowed to show up as me or I don't really have a voice. And there's a lot of organisations that I'm sure you've met this that they'll do ostensibly a listening exercise, but they're not really listening. There's still only a handful of voices that actually count and they've just done it as a tick box exercise. So I think really to hear people, whatever they have to say, and just allow that to kind of sit in the air rather than react to it. Like, no, you're wrong or be defensive or, but just to let, it's all data. You know, these are just pieces of the puzzle that you can create a picture with. So allow it to be there. And we've talked about the whole kind of contrarian view and how valuable that is and I love that I think if teams could embrace their mavericks a little bit more and listen to some of those voices Mm -hmm. on the edges of the system not to dismiss them not to try and narrow the band of normalcy where people are allowed to fit or use pink lens or use pink glasses right like this thing of like trying to See, always being optimistic is a good thing, but it, 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 but sometimes really embracing the shadows, let things uh, coming out in a safe environment, and with the goal of just building on these things. Sometimes yeah, it is much more interesting. Well, yeah, and not just interesting, but more effective. It's more creative to have the shadow. Otherwise. You know, it's it's a very kind of monotonal picture that we're creating. Because we are and in things a world get missed. Yeah. yeah, because people think like either being positive or being negative, either yes. being optimistic or being pessimistic. And I've been told by uh, by some managers like, but I I I don't want to think about the shadow because I look forward and I'm positive and I'm energetic and optimistic. And I, and I answer, this has nothing to do with the fact that every one has a sort of shadows and that you exist yeah. because you have a sort yeah. of shadows and you... you can ignore it but it doesn't mean it's not there exactly and exactly. so when and it's often it quite often corresponds with a kind of introvert uh, extrovert dynamic as well so the extroverts in a team take up more space they're viewed as really positive they can see the introverts as being more negative or quieter or they're not contributing and actually that again it's like the the normalcy has all gone up one end And if you can allow people to have different ways of engaging, understand they're holding different pieces of the puzzle that you might really need if you could really genuinely let them in, then it's a fuller, richer, more creative, more adaptable and more stable team. Absolutely. And same happens for organizations and brands. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true because brands often, you know, it's really interesting when you see a brand deal with a difficulty. A crisis, managing a crisis. Yeah, you know, or like really bad publicity. Do they own up? Do they try and suppress it? You know, the ones that do best when they just say, yeah, we stuffed up. 
we're yeah. really glad this can, we're yeah. genuinely going to do something different mm-hmm. about it and they'll retain the loyalty of their customers for their authenticity mm-hmm. whereas you try and suppress it and you you know you can smell it a mile off can't you that people are being disingenuine yeah yeah true so for you what have you been doing lately around this whole because I know you had a whole idea about you know embracing the contrarian <laughs> are you still thinking yeah, about it yeah, we are like um, we are proposing workshops to to companies in order to have a taste mm. of what exploring the shadow and the, being a contrarian means so in this workshop they will have the the chance to become uh, their like I don't know their customers of their clients or their friends they think uh, they would have something against uh, the brand so mm-hmm. their mother or whatever and and uh, have a conversation like build a script a storytelling with this uh, impersonification and then uh, give them back the bright side of these shadows that emerges so we are asking basically the managers to forget being forget what they are to take a short holiday for half an hour or so and becomes a contrarian. I and, love that. And this is like a little taste of what our like offer is, which is based on qualitative research. So getting re- really getting in touch with customers who who have something to say about uh, the brand identity and its shadows. So I yeah. love this idea. So this is exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? It's just yeah. hearing all the voices, hearing not the only hearing the ones that saying the things that you want to hear. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an exercise of uh, divergent uh, thinking, right? The mm-hmm. basis of brainstorming, divergent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so. And I think there's an inner aspect to this as well, because what we're talking about, we we frame it as radical inclusion. Everything belongs. Every voice, every person, every facet of ourselves belongs. But often, if we can do a bit more of this inner work about allowing even the parts of ourselves that we don't like or judge or dismiss or suppress to kind of have more of a place within us, then we've got a chance of being able to do that outside. And I think a lot of the reason it doesn't happen in organizations is because the people within the organizations are so inhibited about their true self because of this kind of corporate mask that they wear. And we are going back to the beginning of our conversation. So maybe now, this. my hope is now that this mask somehow has has been put on the table or a little yeah. further away maybe <laughs> yeah. go down on the floor and maybe it will break and and we will be our <laughs> true self and it will be more i don't know it will be easier to to carry with us our faults and uh, our imperfections yes and, um, and and apply it to our brands and our organizations as well Well, I love that. That seems like a really good place for us to close, Anna. And I hope for that too. And good luck with all your future work, with your contrarian workshops. Keep me posted. Thank you. And your psychology studies. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, let's stay in touch. But thank you so much for today. It's been lovely. Thank you. It was lovely. Lovely to talk to you. Bye. Bye.
So thank you for joining us for this episode of the Generative Work Podcast. And what did you think? If you have any questions or comments, it would be great to get your feedback. And if you would like to come on and ask me three questions about generative work, we'd love to hear from you. There are links in the bottom of the description for the email and website where you can get in touch. We're looking to build a truly collaborative community for people interested in working generatively, so all ideas welcome. And we look forward to exploring another topic with you next time. Drop us an email if you'd like an update on our next podcast release. (laughs) 